Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, it's me, Bob, trapped inside your podcast player. Listen up. If you're not subscribed to the Friday After Party podcast on our Patreon page, you're missing a big chunk of our weekly podcast shenanigans on this show. Seriously, here's what the After Party is all about. It's essentially me and Kimberly Johnson from the Start Me Up podcast talking about politics and entertainment, but also we talk a lot about private revealing things in our personal lives. It's an uninterrupted 90 minutes where it's kind of like eavesdropping on an evening chat between me and Kimberly. It's far more personal than the free shows, but with all the latest political commentary in a format that sounds a little like the free show did back about 10 years ago. So don't miss out. Subscribe to the After Party level at patreon.com slash Show. And you'll also get two Shadow Docket shows every week included in that level of support. Again, it's patreon.com slash Show, And now let the cartoons begin. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Hello, Seska. You're looking radiantly maternal. The Bob Seska Show. Former Nation's Capital, it is Wednesday, September 20, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska Interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 973 of the Biden-Harris administration, four to ten days until the 24th presidential election. You can find me on threads and Instagram at TheBobSeska, Twitter, BobSeska underscore go, Spoutable Bob Seska, and our Patreon page is BobSeskaShow.com. Okay, here we go. The great Tim Russ is here today. And I'm totally geeking out, as you may have guessed. You might know Tim from his role as the Vulcan Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Picard. By the way, we're not going to be talking about either of those TV shows because of the strikes, but he's also an accomplished musician and astronomer, and he's a regular listener of The Stephanie Miller Show. Well, today we're going to talk about the aforementioned writer and actor strikes, the insanity of our politics, the rise of fascism and conspiracy cults, and so much more. You know, I said to Tim at the end of our talk that he should have his own liberal podcast. And when you hear today's episode, I think you're going to agree. So stick around for this one and make sure you weigh in on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Bob Show. Okay, here's me talking with the legendary Tim Russ. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. I hear the cute couple. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's <laughs> right next to me over here. Uh, how you doing? Well, she's, your girlfriend's welcome to join us, Tim, if she'd like to oh. hang out. Oh, Deb is, is not the uh, audio and the video type. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll ask her, but I don't think she's going to want to join in. Uh, All right. Well, I'll just... Is that I'll, right, Deb? What do you think? <laughs> 
I gotta go work with Al Pacino. So <laughs> she's gotta get ready to go work at the theater with Al Pacino. So she. Yeah. Oh my God! Are you serious? What show? What show is it with Al Pacino? He's doing Richard the Third. It's a workshop right now at the Wallace Theater in Beverly Hills. Ah, oh, incredible! Um, that'll go up on the I think 2024, 2025 season. I think it's when it's going to be. Yeah. Can I include this in the show? Amazing. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Con- consider us underway then. <laughs> consider us already recording. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Deb. And you know, if I recall correctly, didn't Al Pacino do a documentary about playing Richard the Third at some point? I think he did. Yes, I think he did. And he's magnificent in that role. It's just from what uh, Deborah has seen uh, of his performance. Not to mention, he's a really, really nice guy. Very cool. Well, you know what? I was going to ask both of you how you're keeping busy during the strike, but I think you've already answered that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, I've actually been uh, directing a couple of projects during a strike, actually three projects during a strike, and uh, working in development on a couple of others that don't shoot until next year. So that's I've been everything I've been doing has been for working behind the camera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, during the strike. Yeah. And of course, yeah. someone like you, Tim, you're doing all kinds of things, whether it's astronomy, music, so on. You never are lacking anything to do in your spare time, are you? No, not not at all. <laughs> and uh, I mean, theoretically, in terms of the of, 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 of the acting and, and work and et cetera, I, you know, as, as uh, a friend of mine said a long time ago, I said, I'm, I'm not retired. I'm just work optional now, you know, <laughs> so that I. If the gigs come through and I like them, I'll do them. And if not, I just won't. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, uh, I pick and choose what I want to do. And, you know, yeah, it's good to it's good to to uh, to work, I guess, now in a pattern of, I want to say, sprinting. So I'll work really hard for, you know, whatever the time is. And then I'll chill out and relax and have that time off. So that's how it works now. Yeah, yeah. Is it still the same drive that you had uh, as a younger man, or is you just sort of uh, no, just taking it's it more not, easy? No, yeah. no. It's definitely more chill than it was when I started out. Because again, I didn't when I was started out. I had to take every gig that came down the pipe, didn't matter what it was, um, yeah. and I had to keep going and keep driving and stuff. So, you know, there's some degree of hustle, but it's not nearly as uh, as intense as it was when I started out. So the, the gigs that for 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 developing uh projects or trying to get projects backed or financed or or taken to uh network etc those kinds of things that involves some degree of hustle uh and patience um and work so uh for those kinds of things yeah that that's where that lies uh, for the acting work it's it's been on autopilot for quite a long time you know uh the agent the manager they send you the gigs and you say yes or no and that's basically it it's got to feel great, though. It's got to feel excellent to be in that place where you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do, and there isn't that ongoing existential stress of, you know, trying yeah. to land the next thing. I imagine that's a, a, an enviable position to be in. Uh, I can't. I can't say enough about how, uh, you know, how your 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 again your hindsight is always twenty twenty, but. Yeah. Um, I, I could not have seen uh, this all happening necessarily from the very beginning. All I wanted to do at the beginning is get started. And I yeah. had a very tough number of years trying to get uh, get off the ground with it. And and uh, the environment was different, of course. The work was uh, the type of work and the availability of work was different then. Uh, so it, I was just simply 
I got a break, man. I mean, that's all it was. Yeah. I got a lucky break. And the door opened. I walked in and I was able to 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 land the role, which started the ball rolling uh, back in the day. And I was just lucky, uh, pure and simple. If I had made one small decision differently and I had the option to do so, mm-hmm. I might not have gotten that break. Uh, and who knows what? Who knows what would have happened? I honestly know, don't know what would have happened uh, or how long it would have taken for me to catch, you know, uh, just making one small decision that was suggested by somebody yeah. at the time. And that was it, you know, so very, very, very fortunate for everything to line up the way it did. It's just that simple. I mean, I can't, that is just one critical element of this whole thing is, is uh, right place, right time and a degree of, of luck. That's all it, that's all it is, you know? Do you feel like you're in a place where you're satisfied with what you've accomplished in your career? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's much more to come. But at the same time, do you look back and feel like, OK, you know what? I set out to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And here I am. I, I did those things and I feel good about it. Or do you feel like there are still some loose ends some stories that you still need to uh, get out there? No, I, as a matter of fact, um, and I, I when I talk to people about uh, who are trying to start out uh, in the business um, in front of camera, particularly for acting, I tell them that uh, what they need to do is, sh- is set the short goals, not the big, huge goal, but a short goal. And then the, and then if they can achieve that, set the next goal and then set the goal after that. So it's to do it in, in, in sections, in tiers. And that's what I did. I just set the very first goal, which was to... I think at the time to land, um, you know, a large role on a project. And then mm-hmm. the next tier after that was to, 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 uh, to work consistently, um, doing this work. So I didn't need to work a part-time job. And then the next goal after that was to get a role on a series, um, that stayed on the air, yeah. you know, so that was the next goal. And, and eventually all that stuff happens. So from an acting standpoint, yes, um, I, I believe that I, you know, I'm happy with how far I've gone uh, in my career uh, and, and, you know, and wrestled this beast of a town in, in that respect. Um, the next, I have a series, you know, I have goals right now that I've set for yeah. working behind the camera, not mm. in front of. So getting a project of my own off the ground where I can direct it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that just happened as a matter of fact, uh, a little bit over a month ago, uh, that the door opened up for that to happen in 2024. So, so that, that ball, I hope I can get rolling as well, perhaps for this, you know, the second half of my career, um, going up the ladder in that area. So I'm looking forward to something like that as well. Yeah, and I was heard in an interview, you mentioned uh, a particular series that you're famous for, uh, yeah. a Struck series that we can't, <laughs> can't really talk about here. And, and you said something that I thought was pretty profound, and it's not something that many actors, especially young actors, end up doing, and mistakenly so. You mentioned how when you got that role, that big role on that big franchise series, that you banked that money. And I get the sense that there are quite a few actors who get a giant role like that and end up spending it all and then getting to the end of it and going, oh, crap, (laughs) what do I do now? (laughs) You seem like you had a pretty smart, pretty centered view of how to deal with all of that. 
Well, I had to because that pattern was already established by the time I got to uh, working on that series that stayed on for you know a number of years. I had already established that you can't you can't survive yeah. um, in the in this business um, uh, without number one keeping your overhead very very low. Um, if you want to start a family, for example, you're just starting out as an actor. Good luck because. You know, uh, it's going to be the, the twice or three times the ladder climb um, in difficulty because you've got uh, security issues in terms of a family. You're, you, you've got to cover somebody else and 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 provide for them. And and you you're you can't you can't rely on that if you're trying to survive as a as a, as a full time actor. So I would if whatever money I made in those jobs, I would bank it. Um, I if I made enough, I would buy the cheapest car I could find hmm. and drive it into the ground. And I did it a couple of times, you know, over the years. And, and that was it. I buy cash, not on time and then drive it into the ground. I lived in the apartments, the little shoebox apartments that I was in probably two or three of them, hmm. uh, over the course of 12 to six, 12, 18 years, um, um, time. And I would only move up to the next place when I had enough in the bank to to be able to pay the rent for a good, good span of time. And and so I took it very, very carefully in small steps until eventually on this particular uh, show that ran for a while, I was able to hmm. purchase property at that time when the property was much uh, cheaper than it is now. So, yeah. uh, and that was, that that only happened because you know, at the time, my accountant said, you know, do you have enough left in the bank after you purchase the property to live off of? He said the same thing. And I said, yeah, I got enough to be able to live off of it and pay the taxes and all sort of stuff. And and that was it. So I was able to do that. And it, and again, it was only after, you know, um, I was certain that I had XXX in the bank. I never, ever really splurged uh, on what I made you know, uh, recklessly. I always, always kept that money in the bank uh, to live off of uh, between jobs because there were some times when there's nothing going on, you know. How do you get to that place? Is that something you picked up from your upbringing or from your parents or was it something that you were observing in that town as you first started to uh, build your career? Is it, you know what, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy chasing every job because I have to, do that job in order to get that paycheck well it wasn't even you know uh, a, a question of getting to that point it was a question of i'm at that point i yeah. mean I, I i didn't have you know if i did a, a fat gig and you know uh made a couple of grand or you know whatever it came out to be i mean at the time of course the living uh, expenses were less than they are now my rent was very low um, so I could bank that money easily. I didn't have any choice yeah. because I didn't know when the next job was coming. Mm -hmm. And I do, I know that rent was coming, you know, and the bills and the car and whatever I had to pay for it, but I didn't know when the next job was coming. And I did take, you know, any job that came down the pike, I took it. I, I didn't start, you know, turning gigs down until well after working on that series for X number of years, I took just about everything prior to that. Um, and, and, and I had no choice, uh, but to not spend that money. I didn't have a choice because mm -hmm. if I, if I spent it, 
I have no idea when the next job is coming. The, the whole, my whole career is basically, or anybody else that works in this business from, it's a gig job. It's gig work. It's, yeah. you got to get the next job to make any money. Um, you can file for unemployment in between. That'll help you out sometimes, or you can, you know, work a temp job. If you, if you can, you can work a temp job, find a secondary source of income. That's obviously a smart thing to do as well. Uh, but you're even with a, a secondary choice uh, 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 selection of working for a, for a, another job in between, you still have to save the money mm-hmm. that you're making for that. You have to use that money to pay your expenses, man. Especially today. Yeah. So at the end of the at the end of the day, it was it was not something that I learned. It was simply a matter of survival, man. You have to survive if you wanted to. One of those goals that I set was making a living doing what I do. I can't do that. Yeah. If I just blow it on, you know, the most expensive car I can find where I've got to make payments on it, you know, uh, every month and, you know, look all, you know, sheet driving around in this thing, but don't have any way to pay my rent, you know? No, I didn't do that. I drove the cheapest, cheapest, crappiest car I could find. <laughs> and, that's, and that's amazing. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because what I think about is that town, uh, talking about uh, Los Angeles, very driven by keeping up appearances. That whole kind of peer, oh, yes. pre- peer pressure thing where you feel like, well, okay, <laughs> I got to drive a fancy car. I got to have a nice looking place because, <laughs> you know, I got to fake it until I make it. That kind of attitude that seems to dominate uh, that entire business. And if you're able to psychologically sidestep that as you have, you can navigate things where there could be a strike like we're facing right now. And you may not have that nut that you've got to fulfill every month, that overhead. And uh, and you can endure something like this. But you know what? Because of some of the salaries that uh, some of the below the line people especially are getting, uh, obviously writers and actors as well there's not really an opportunity to uh, save a whole lot because you're talking about basically middle-class workers who are getting screwed by the system. And so the question I have for you about this, uh, Tim, is, you know, put on your Karnak hat and and (laughs) let me know, (laughs) where do you think this is headed? I mean, is the AMPTP going to acquiesce to the writers and the actors' demands on all of this? Is this going to have a happy ending? Yeah, they're just they're just going back to the to the bargaining table this week. As a matter of fact, I think they're back there now yeah. for the next uh, two or three days. So they're they're going back to sit down and talk, especially the writers. Um, right now, they're going back for the next two or three days to to talk or to try to work something out. And um, I I think it's going to it's eventually it's going to break. It's going to come to a point where. Somebody's going to give enough on either side to uh, to sign to pin something and and then get back to work because it's not sustainable uh, at this point. Uh, you can't. Everything is at a standstill. So uh, and they want to get back to business and the uh, writers want to get back to business. The actors do as well. So it's going to reach a point where somebody's got to give. And uh, I, I'm I'm hoping that it's you know amicable and reasonable. We we haven't been on a strike like this in quite a while, yeah. um, so you know it's it was probably due, and it should cover us for a number of of years, if not at least a decade. So we should be okay. 
You know what I don't understand, Tim, is one of the big struck companies in all of this that also happens to have a streaming channel. Uh, mm -hmm. I think they reported some colossal financial loss due to the strike that actually exceeded the amount of money that the writers and actors are looking for in their demands. What's that mindset? I, I do not understand how someone reaches that conclusion where they go, hey, you know what? We'll lose more money than is required to satisfy the demands of the writers and the actors. We'll lose that money just protracting this strike indefinitely and not cutting a deal like we should. I don't get that mentality other than to put it in the same category as Elon Musk and many other very wealthy CEO types who can just shut off their humanity and be able to, almost like a sociopath, close themselves away from the actual consequences and just say, hey, you know what, F you, we're going to do whatever, whatever the hell we want. <laughs> I don't understand uh, that. Well, that entire attitude is running amok as we speak yeah, uh, yeah. in the country. I don't care what almost what area you want to be in. It's mm -hmm. it's uh, if, if people who have, you know, an obsession with wealth, number one, and that obsession with how much money they have, they can't have enough, they can't make enough. Yeah. Uh, some of them are just uh, nothing but combative for no reason at all. They just want to they just don't like the fact that they'd have to give up something or that they have to, that somebody else is pushing back on whatever it is they want. That's, that's part of the problem as well. You know, um, you know, if you look at, uh, uh, Trump, for example, dare we mention his name again? Um, he <laughs> likes to go to war. He likes to, he likes the battle. He yeah. likes the fight. You see, not it doesn't matter whether it benefits him or not. He doesn't care about that. He just likes the, the scrap. Yeah. He likes yeah. the, the back and forth and the, you know, the litigation and the, uh, you know, the, the, that's what he likes. That's what he lives for. He's not interested in some kind of, you know, agreement or working something out or coming to, to a, you know, consensus or compromise. Yeah. He's not, that's not him. And there's a whole lot of other people who are just like he is. Uh, no question about it. Sometimes it's not even just about how much money. It's just the fact that you like to, you don't want to have to give up anything. You don't want to have to, 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 to tolerate uh, dealing with somebody else's uh, uh, issues or somebody else's requests um, and, and things like that. You just want to go to war. Yeah. And that's what's happening. Man, it's happening across the board. You know, it's just going to war or mm -hmm. virtually. I don't understand what reason. You yeah. know? Uh, and, and part of that is just part of it is just human nature. Um, you know, you're dealing with people. You know, and that's the very first thing right there that you got to you got to deal with is that you're dealing with a human being. You know, and it's not an animal, it's not a tree. It's it's mm -hmm. a freaking human being, man. And that's yeah. where we're stuck with, you know. Yeah. And we see that a lot with Donald Trump, where yes. the drive to be the winner of a particular fight is yes. is greater than his drive for self-preservation. I always have this thing that I th throw around on Twitter all the time, and this is this ongoing observation I have about Donald Trump and the decisions that he makes, which is that Trump always makes things worse for Trump. No matter, yeah, I, no matter what he does, he always ends up screwing himself so that he's got to engage in more shenanigans in order to wiggle out of that previous predicament. It's almost like Walter White in Breaking Bad. Like it was a perpetual series of bad decisions where the next bad decision is trying to fix the previous bad decision. It's psychotic. Yes, I've heard you say that phrase, and that is absolutely true. He just yeah. did it recently with the interview 
on Meet the Press. He yeah. again, again, he's babbling on there and and, and pushing back and, and arguing with the, the the commentator there that, that took over for Chuck Todd. And and he again admitted that he had it was his decision to do what he's being indicted for. <laughs> you know, essentially, I mean, what what the hell are you because his ego yeah. wouldn't let him say that somebody else, you know, told me to do this and that or suggested or whatever. Cause that's what the question was. Well, did your attorneys, you know, uh, were they the ones that told you to do it? You no, no, I was the one. It was my decision. <laughs> the one yeah. that, it was me. I'm the one that, you know, shot the five people on, you know, fifth Avenue. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> and, 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 and at the end of the day, what well, I still, it, the, the normal, like a normal, as it were, normal, mm -hmm. uh, uh, somebody who's not a, a literally a psychopath, because he is. Yeah. I mean, that, Bob, that, that's what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. The man is a psychopath. He's not, he's not, it's not, I'm not saying psychopath like is as an insult. He is literally by the book. What is it? The DS5, whatever they call it, the psychology yeah, yeah. handbook. He is yeah. every definition of psychopath. He cannot stop himself from doing what he does mm -hmm. that's that's the fundamental thing he cannot stop himself yeah if you and i if i was faced with what he is faced with right now or indictments in 10 minutes it would take me 10 minutes to tell my attorneys um plea it out <laughs> plea out all four of them in a group yeah. as a group yeah as a plea i would be done with this in less than a month less than a month Probably no jail time. I bet you wouldn't get any jail time. Yeah. Probation, a huge ass fine in some cases. Right. And we're done. You know, maybe house arrest for six months. Mm -hmm. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. That's what you would get. Half of the charges would be gone because that's what they do. They drop half the charges would be automatically dropped. And the rest of them would be probation or house arrest for six months. And mm -hmm. while he's in there, he's going to babble to his idiot followers and whatever. You know, I mean, that's what you would be out of this mess. Yeah. All that would be over with. The story would be done with. There would be no more news coverage of that story. It, it's over. Yeah. I mean, uh, why? It, you know, how, how do you how do you? you, you <laughs> I know. Just, I mean, if, if I were indicted on 91 felony counts. First, just to add on to what you were saying, I would first shit my pants and then I would call my, and then immediately after I'm done cleaning up from shitting my pants, I would call my lawyer and say, get me the fuck out of this predicament. Of course. Why, why wouldn't you? You've got an army. Yeah. You have an army of attorneys. There's mm. there. Those, those are big, expensive law firms that, that are, that are representing him. They, those guys know how to do all that, man. They're going to give you, first of all, your attitude is better. If you go in there and you, you know, you humble yourself to a certain extent, that's beyond his capability. But if you just humbled yourself, threw yourself on the mercy of the court, here's, I'm going to plea this out. Yes, I must have made a mistake was my error. You know, the whole thing. They could, you, you cooperate with them, you give them whatever they need and you work that out. And here's a plea. It's done. It's mm -hmm. done in a month. It would be over with. Yeah. Just over with and behind you. Mm -hmm. So you could go on to, you know, do whatever else chaos you want to commit. It's, yeah. Instead, the, it's because he's a psychopath. Yeah. And I, and for the life of me, I, I I I still not cannot believe it's like Steffi says. Steffi says, you, can, you know, she still she's angry about not, mm -hmm. you know, what happened in 2016. We I cannot understand yeah. how we elected 
a psychopath to be the president. That's it's just it's beyond me, man. It's just beyond me. Um, I still don't get it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there was a, a YouGov poll that dropped today. And I always preface mentioning any polls by saying, yeah, you know what? The polling is janky these days. You can't yeah, you can't sure trust the polling necessarily. But if true, um, this YouGov poll showed that independent voters in particular think that Joe Biden's age is a bigger issue than Trump's crimes. I think the spread was 43 to 34. I mean, why do we constantly get distracted by this silly season nonsense? In fact, you tweeted the other day, you tweeted about this. You said, if the Dems ran a fucking tree stump for president, that would be preferable to Donald Trump, which was spot on and excellent use of the word fucking, by the way. Um, so why, why, how do we get wrapped up in this silly season bullshit all the time, Tim? Uh, I, you know, I, I have no idea. Uh, and I've said something uh, akin to that before. I kind of, uh, sometimes I'll tweet something every two or three months just to remind people that you know, <laughs> the concept here, folks, mm -hmm. is not about what's on the dinner menu. It's not about where the deck chairs are going on the Titanic, man. That boat is sinking. And if you don't patch it up and get it back to port, we're never going to make it. It's you're worried about, people are worried about things that don't, freaking make any 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 difference you, you the biggest picture is this guy he's an existential threat has been said a hundred times and apparently nobody's listening um and first of all uh in terms of independence i i, I take issue with with independent quote unquote voters mm -hmm. independent vote what are you independent of <laughs> what is you know you have to come down on side a or side B. Mm -hmm. So you're either one or you're the other. You're in the, the Democratic tent or you're on the other side. There is no independent. You know, uh, unfortunately, as, as, as great as Bernie's message is, he could not run as an independent. Mm -hmm. He ran under the Democratic tent, which of course caused all this chaos in 2016, not because of his message. His message is solid. It always has been. He's still right. You know, it had to do with him not being a party member. Hillary's a party member. She supported the DNC. She helped the DNC raise money. That's how the game works. And they are private organizations. They're not government agencies. So at the end of the day, if you're going to play politics, that's what politics is. And independents cannot run on for, for president because they there is no there's no support for them. There's no party support for them. So they have to make a decision. What is an independence decision on abortion? What is an independence decision on gun control? What's an independence decision on on you know uh, voting rights for God's sakes? I mean, are you yeah. you're either for it or you're against it? It's not about, you know, what is your decision on on insurrection? Is that something you can get behind, really? You want to get behind insurrection? You want to get behind authoritarianism and dictatorship? As opposed to a president who's doing just fine. As a matter of fact, the last you know speech that Trump made, he couldn't even figure out what what who he was running against. Yeah. You know, he commented on running against Obama, for God's sake. <laughs> and, 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 and what was the other, oh my God, the other gap he made in the same speech is like, dude, he... Who's got the cognitive issues? As yeah, it were? yeah. He warned against you know, World War II. He said, you "Yeah, know what? World War II." I mean, dude, you're not even in the right century. <laughs> the, it, it, the, 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 this is 
for them to make and 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 I can't go with you know these polls. They're nonsense. You know they all had you know a Clinton and Obama. They were all for you know forty eight to forty eight for the presidential. Those guys won in a landslide in a couple of cases. They won by sixty four percent of the vote. There's no that's nonsense. Whatever that is is nonsense. Nobody's yeah. ever called me for a freaking poll to ask me ever. Not ever has mm-hmm. that happened. So. They're, most of those, I think, are skewed and they're leaning towards a Republican base for a sample than they are anywhere else. And that's what they're getting. So there's no way that shit is accurate. We have more you, young people registering to vote. More young people are coming out. We just won a bunch of special elections, I yeah. think, yesterday or whenever it was. All Democratic. We won the last two big elections mostly with them where are we going it's no way it's going to be split that way absolutely no way Mm -hmm. even if it's only a hundred thousand voters to make that difference i think it's going to be a greater amount to be honest with you in this next uh presidential in those swing states i think those that margin is going to be bigger than a hundred thousand you know this time around i mean i'm you know predicting but yeah yeah ultimately you know i the those types of voters the swing swing voters, whatever the hell that is. I'm going to swing <laughs> from one side. I'm going to swing this way and swing that way, you know, and, and all that is, is uh, there's a bunch of nonsense. You, you can't govern a country if you keep going back and forth between one party and the next. How in the hell can you get anything done? Just stupid is what it is. Yeah. And ignorant. Yeah. Especially now, given what we know about what's happening in politics, like how can you possibly be ambivalent about where we are as a nation? It's either this or it's chaos. It's either the Democratic Party or it's fascism and a worsening climate crisis. Why can't you make up your mind about that? That just doesn't Wait, make any sense to me. What, what's, what's up with that third category of the poll, the undecided? It can be as high as 20%, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. Undecided. Really, seriously, is that the same people that can't decide anything off a a two-item menu? The ones (laughs) that you're driving behind, they can't figure out which side of the road they want to be on. Whatever, (laughs) you know, undecided, folks. You, you, you know, even if even if you're if you're not getting anything from the water cooler or your friends, you got to you have to be aware that something is going on. I mean, I, 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 I unless you're never uh, watching anything or reading anything and you're living in a cave somewhere, uh, you, you, you would have to know what was going on. How could you not know what is happening? How could you not see what is happening? Never mind Facebook or reading this or finding that or whatever. Just. You, you, you've got to be aware by now of what's going on, you know, just an inkling yeah. that you could have a decision to make whether you <laughs> whether you want to live like you said under a dictatorship or whether you want to live in a democracy. I mean, come on, man. I, it's just <laughs> it's un, unbelievable that number of people and maybe maybe the undecided folks are. I don't know, maybe people who are not eligible to vote. Maybe they're asking people who are not uh, citizens are not able to vote. And so they don't care. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the issue. I don't know. Uh, Maybe that could be the sample that they're picking from. And that's the reason they get that number. But that would make more sense than somebody who's either a registered voter or a registered Democrat or a Republican would be aware of what the hell was going on, man. Hold it. Don't nobody move. We're going to take a short break back with more Tim Russ right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. 
See, Bumble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska. All-time favorites all day long. On a side note, as I'm listening to you talk, Tim, and of course I'm well familiar with your tweets and so on, you're very, very active on social media, and along those lines, I think... You may be the most politically outspoken cast member from aforementioned Struck franchise. Do sure. you, how much shit do you take on social media from fans of Struck franchise who disagree with you on, on politics? <laughs> I think maybe there are two others, uh, two uh, other Jerry cast Ryan. members. Yeah, Jerry Ryan, yeah, of Jerry. course, and Anson Mount has been pretty uh, outspoken, especially lately. But how do you deal with that? Is it constant? Do you does your DM inbox fill up all the time? Your mentions fill up all the time with just the craziest uh, trolls and weirdos, or is it just something you don't pay attention to? Uh, I have the short answer for that. I never read them. <laughs> I don't good. read. Them. Good, good answer. I never ever <laughs> spar with anybody on there. Why? Because I don't have time. Yeah. If you don't, if you ain't getting it, then don't bother me. Go mm-hmm. someplace else. Go to Breitbart or. Go to somewhere else and, and listen to somebody else's stuff if you don't if you have a problem with it. What I do get is when I go to conventions, I get a lot of fans who really like what I post. That's what I hear. That's, that's all I listen to, and that's right person to person. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I'm around a large group of, of fans of that show, they are very pleased with what I post, and they encourage me to keep doing it. I don't read anybody else's comments. Simply because if they don't get it, I have no time for them. If you <laughs> haven't you. figured it out yet, if you haven't figured it out by now, you know, after January 6th, for God's sakes, then you need to go back to the cave that you live in and leave me alone. You know, and, you know, we'll we'll do all the heavy lifting for your sorry ass. You know, we'll try to get the right people and keep them in power. 
and so that your dumb shit ass can can uh, can can benefit from everything that we do, you know, because you oh, you don't have a goddamn clue. Go someplace else, you know, and sit and wait by the sidelines. That's okay with me. You know, I'm going to I'm going to get into the fight and we're going to keep going and we're going to keep doing it. And I don't care about what your comments are because you don't have a clue. You know, um, I basically am only posting what is happening. I'm posting reality I'm posting what 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 actions people have taken and what things people have said. You know, I'm making it up. It's just that's what people are saying and they're doing. What is it that, that, that what uh, Rachel says all the time? Rachel Maddows says, listen to what they say, not what they do. I think it's both. Yeah. Listen to what they say and what they do. Exactly. They are doing things. Yeah, what is yeah. it? What is it that the judge they, who just gets elected in this state and they want to impeach her? She hasn't even heard a case yet. They just don't want her to make the decision that they don't want. Yep. And you're going to stand there and take and just turn around and ball face, take away the 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 the, the choice of the voters simply because your your stupid sorry ass candidate lost. You lost, but no, you want to play the Trump card. You want to play the Republican card and just get rid of them. Just we're going to change the rules, push the goalposts back so that you can't do it. That's that's the bullshit we're dealing with now. And my biggest pet pet peeve is the fact that we as Dems do not push back hard enough. And let me just say this. Obama should have done it. And 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 Biden should do it. Fuck Tommy Tuberville. Okay, and his decision to do what is. Why the hell can't the commander in chief of the armed forces do it an executive order and and do the promotions and do the whatever it has has to be done with the military and screw that guy six ways to Sunday? Why can't the commander in chief? And I'd say do it and then take it to the Supreme Court. Court probably wouldn't bother with it because they don't want to be bothered with congressional arguing and bickering. Do it. Just put the people in, in, in the promotional positions they're supposed to be in, get the military funded, This put this guy aside. Obama should have put Garland on the Supreme Court, should have put him on the Supreme Court. Yeah. And then let the Supreme Court decide whether or not he could put them on the Supreme Court. It is his purview to select the justice for the Supreme Court because somebody decides they don't freaking want to because they're assholes because they don't want the black guy to put the Supreme Court. They don't want the the the, uh, the, the uh, moderate judge on the court. They don't want that. They want their own uh, uh, freaking psychopath on there. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. He should have put them on, put him on there. I don't care what the goddamn rules are. I don't care what the procedure is. Why can't Biden do that? Why couldn't Obama do that? Let's just the hell with this crap, this procedural nonsense. Let them do it and let them argue about it in the court. That's what I say. We have to be that kind. We have to step outside the box as much as they do. We have to do the unprecedented, you know? Yeah. Well, and also the thing is that, uh, and we see this quite a bit. We saw this with Kristen Welker on Meet the Press over the weekend, clinging to some form of normalcy that doesn't exist anymore. 
I think that's what drives some of these weak decisions, whether it's Kristen Welker not challenging Donald Trump and then getting on MSNBC with Andrea Mitchell and saying, oh, yeah, Donald Trump was just merely trying to draw a contrast between himself and Joe Biden on the issues. Are you fucking kidding me? What? That that was actually a point of conversation in the postmortem after the interview. Yeah, insane. That's the kind of thing that doesn't exist anymore. Treating Donald Trump like he's normal is just Uh. such a mistake or treating the Republican caucus on the Hill when you're trying to nominate a Supreme Court justice as though they're normal, as though circumstances are normal, is just a huge mistake. And she she was, I, I, you know, there are a couple of moments in there where she tried to push back. I was hoping that I was glad to see that Chuck Todd was gone. Thank you very much. Yeah. But, you know, you've got got to replace him with somebody who there is no way on God's earth that, 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 that Trump is, is going to discuss anybody's policy. They don't even, there is no policy difference. No. The only policy difference is I want authoritarianism and fascism and I don't, I don't, don't want democracy. That's the, that's the policy that we're up against. There is no a difference between the, everything he said, everything that falls out of his fat orange face after he says his name. And I have to question that we should get a birth certificate to make sure that's his actual name. <laughs> At the end of the day, everything that falls out of his fat orange face is a lie. It's 24-7, a lie. It's nonsense. It's exaggeration. It's projection. It's everything that that, that, that is a psychopath. And you're going to sit and talk about, oh, it's just a difference between them. Give me a break. God almighty, what is it with them? They can't find somebody to sit there and, and actually do the job. Man, fucking give me the job. I'll make right. sure that interview only lasts about five minutes because he is not going to be happy. What does he always call the, the women that, that, that challenge nasty. him? Nasty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nasty comment. God, he's a psychopath. I can't, he's, I can't say it enough. <laughs> oh my God. He's a loon. Yeah. And we, yeah. we have to put up with this. God. Yeah. Uh, I, I was saying on uh, Stephanie's show this morning that there was one instance where Kristen Welker broke in. And again, you know what? I, I don't specifically blame Kristen Welker. I blame the showrunners. I blame the executives at NBC News who created this environment where we have to treat Trump like he's a normal human being and not a tyrant. But one of the things that she did is she broke in with a fact check after Trump did his whole run on abortion, which we can all basically at this point recite verbatim as he's saying it because he says it so often. But it's yes, like, oh, yes. Democrats want to abort babies in the seventh, eighth and ninth month. And oh, yeah, by the way, Democrats also want to abort babies after they're born. After they're born. Which yes, is one which of the is most thing. It's not, it's not a, a thing, thing. And it's one of the most insidious <laughs> things that I've ever heard a president or, or someone at the presidential level say publicly. It is so damaging and so dangerous. And instead of fact checking that thing, the thing about Democrats wanting to murder babies after they've been born, Kristen Welker fact checked the seventh, eighth and ninth month thing, which is far lesser a lie than the lie about Democrats wanting to, I mean, it's an incendiary lie. It's the sort of lie that gets abortion clinics bombed and doctors murdered that somehow parents want to murder their babies after they're born somehow democratic parents specifically. And and that's the problem. They, they miss (laughs) the point. They miss the thing. And 
God, it's so frustrating when we see the stakes of our elections, we see the stakes of our politics, we all understand the dangers of what will happen when things go horribly awry, and then you see the traditional television news media screw up this phenomenally in the face of it. And I think that's what drives us to get to the point where we're yelling into microphones about it. <laughs> well, wait, yeah. And yeah, we're you know. or, or yelling to ourselves yeah, in, in, yeah. in our houses, you know, just like, you know, pulling our hair out going, why in the world? Yeah. Why in the world can't you see what is going on? Why in the world? I mean, I hate to you know think that it's, you know, that, that the major networks are owned by some goddamn conglomerate corporate whatever who doesn't want anything to do with paying taxes or supporting the goddamn country in any way shape or form so maybe they're not vested in 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 democrats winning at all you know sometimes i have to worry about that kind of thing although at least on msnbc there seems to be a consistent um drive you know uh, to support you know the voting rights and support the democratic issues and support yeah you know that the, they are, they are they are consistently going after you know Trump and the Republican Party and the minions and whatever's going on and 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 exposing them for what they are. So that's one shining star. It it would be great if we could get the regular mainstream cable news antenna TV rabbit ears uh, cry, uh, networks to 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 report the same kind of thing. Do not make it look like. It's politics as usual. Man, that went out the door a long time ago. There is no politics as usual. There yeah, is no yeah, nothing. Yeah. There's one party who is who is set to basically uh, scorched earth this country. That's all they want to do. They just want to burn everything to the ground. And I'm not sure what they're going to do after that. Just sit on the rubble and play with themselves. I don't know what they're going to do otherwise. But they want scorched earth. You know, They yeah, don't care yeah. about anything. And I mean anything other than remaining in power permanently. And that's it. There's yeah. nothing else going on. I mean, what is the story? The Republican Party, they couldn't vote to impeach because they were worried about the safety of their family. I mean, what? how bad is it that we've come to this point where the, the, where the, the party members cannot do what they're supposed to, cannot vote their conscience, mm-hmm. cannot vote what they know is the right thing to do because they're worried about the repercussions from a psychopath who was their party leader. I, 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 I don't understand <laughs> yeah. that the, F, the FBI, the law enforcement agencies being threatened because they're not prosecuting somebody enough. <laughs> what, yeah. I, I, what amazing. What are we, the, the agents you're threatening the very people who could come after you for threatening them. Yeah. I what 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 is that man? What I I I just I just Bob I can't I don't know I you know at some point in time man I, the the frustration and the, the the exacerbation that you go through every day when things are standing right in front of you and they're the mm-hmm. size of a planet yeah you know and you can see it and everybody else is just blind as a bat that that others cannot see what's there. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I've been screaming about that for some time now, and especially over the last couple of weeks with regard to this slow boiling fascism 
that's rising up in America right now. And it's happening in plain sight, as you're saying. I mean, we're seeing book bans, we're seeing book burnings, we're seeing raging anti-Semitism, authoritarianism in there, white supremacy, anti-democracy insurrections, the delegitimization of elections, targeted violence against vulnerable communities. I mean, do we need more evidence of how this could all end up? I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me, but yet when you talk to quote-unquote regular voters, they don't want to hear that fascism could be one of the major stakes in our elections. And I'm not sure exactly what will convince them. It's immensely frustrating when you see the train coming and you know that it's barreling down the tracks on time because that's what fascists do. And, and yet (laughs) no one wants to pay attention to it. It's, it's so frustrating. You're, you're, you, yeah, you're standing on the track as it's coming down and you're tied (laughs) to the track and you can't get off the track. And they're, they're more concerned about the price of milk going up 10%, you know, than they are about their entire country. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's essentially what it is. The entire country versus how much it costs to get a head of lettuce. I mean, you know, God almighty folks, you know, even, even that understanding the mechanism behind why your milk is 10 cents more doesn't have anything to do with the decision President Biden made. It doesn't have anything to do with the decision that Trump would have made. It has it has everything to do with economics. And if you just 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 enlighten oneself or educate oneself on the way that commodities and, and, and the economy work, you will understand how things work, not only your own countries, but global. We're on a global economic sort of uh, uh, affair at this point in time. It's mm. not just us. It's not the 1950s. It's not post-war. Our economy only grows a certain percentage per year. There is an inflation rate every year. There is a cost of living increase every year. You know, we are competing with with other giant, enormous countries and their economic muscle. This is the way the world is. And we're going to be arguing and fighting over resources at some point in time. You know, every decision that's made politically, and this is a big picture thing, should be made with the idea that it has to, to to apply to 20 years down the line. Every decision you make, you know, politically or socially needs to be considered to to be in effect for the next 20 years. Like it needs to, it, the, the impact of that decision may not take place until 20 years from now. Yeah. You know, yeah. not just the next goddamn quarter profit, but 20 years from the future. Mm-hmm. You gotta start planning for that future you know, is yeah. what you got to do. You got to still put the, the blocks in place that are going to be there, you know, down the line. You know, and I always say, and I think I might have mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned it on uh, the other show I did with you and Mary that, you know, you know, God bless them, the founding fathers, they put together this constitution, which is a malleable document. It was meant to be malleable yeah, yeah. on purpose. That's why there's so many gaps in it that we that we're dealing with today, you know, because they couldn't foresee a psychopath being the president. Of course <laughs> not. But they had to put together a, a document d- designed to govern a country 270 years into the future. Now, try to do that today as a thought experiment. Try to put a document together to govern a country 270 years into the future. Just take this country and try to try to project 270 years into the future. Mm-hmm. What in the world would that thing look like? How could you possibly figure out what life is going to be like 270 years from now. You can't even imagine what that would be. Yeah. And yet, yet they managed to do it. That document still basically works. 
And it's it's tenuous. The, 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 the democratic system is tenuous. It's complicated. Fascism and dictatorship, that's simple. It's one person and you either go along with the program or you get sent to the gulag. You know, it, 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 the democratic system is big. It's, it's unwieldy. It's messy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love what Hal Sparks said about it being a garden that has to be tended to all the time. Yep. And that's absolutely what this is. And it's work. It's work to do that. You know, um, you're not going to get everybody on board. Everybody's got one thing to You can't get 10 people to decide on where to go to, you know, to, to lunch, for God's sakes. That's what this that's what this is all about. So the, the big unwieldy picture is what we you have to try to keep in place. It's just the big, big picture. You know, it's not some stupid, narrow nonsense. It, 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 it's it's the the. The big scope of things, whether you don't like this or don't like that, that's fine, whatever. That's not the point. The point is, is that as a system of rule, you have to, the, the, the people being able to, 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 to make a decision about, you know, the future as a group, as a majority, is the key to this whole entire thing. And if you're in the minority, well, tough shit. That's what happens, man. Yeah. Either get on board or get the hell off the boat. You, you know, you can move to another country. Good luck with that, by the way. You, you get over <laughs> no. there and get, you find, see, see how that works out for you, Hoss. Yeah. You get over there and they're going to, you know, you, you get a rules and regulations you never heard of before. They're going to have a system that you don't know what the hell's going on. They could be in chaos the next fucking week. Good luck. Go ahead. Yep. Take off. You know, no, that's bullshit. They all want to come here. Even as bad as it is now, they still all want to come to this country because we have we have a precedent, we have a system, we have a way of life that everybody wants to be part of. We can, we just have to maintain that and hold on to it, you know? Oh my God, yes, absolutely. So well said. And I just wanted to add that the thing about democracy that requires so much diligence, Tim, is the fact that democracy can be exploited to end democracy. And that's yes. the thing that we always have to bear in mind. And we always have to act against uh, when it comes down to that, we have to make sure that democracy is used to preserve democracy and push yes. back against anyone who uh, threatens to tear it down by using those same levers. So, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, and and uh, the, the author who put the book on, on tyranny uh, wrote that book, and that book is so man, I think it's so simple. It's and it, and it's and it yeah. outlines what we're dealing with. And and my concern is the biggest concern we have is is our institutions of suffering mm-hmm. um our institution of our own congress half of it is completely uh, uh damaged and and uh, infected and our supreme court which is also a major institution also yeah. damaged it's infected and and it's and it's compromised and those two institutions are supposed to be the guardrails for this democracy and they are hurting so we have to, you've got to get those institutions back up to speed. You've got to get them going again. And let me just say this, and I read it uh, a little while ago, and, and for people listening to the podcast, it does not excuse, you know, his decisions and his behavior and his actions on the Supreme Court. But uh, there is a backstory to Clarence Thomas, and I, and I want to let people know what it is. And I, because mm-hmm. we're all scratching our head wondering how, is this African-American man look in the mirror and not see that he's an African-American man and that he has a, a, an ancestry that has a legacy in this country and, it's, and we're dealing with it as we speak. We're still dealing with it, right? Even on a more heightened level than it was in the past. Um, but as an African-American man, why 
he votes the way he does against affirmative action and a lot of other things, why he makes the decisions he makes, not just for his financial benefactors, giving him presents and gifts all the time, but also he's not, he does not see himself. He does not see himself as African-American. He doesn't want something to do with African-Americans. There's a reason for that. The reason is when he was a little kid growing up in the, in the east side of the city, other African-Americans made fun of him because of his skin color. They tormented him and teased him relentlessly because of his skin color. That's the reason he is as the attitude that he has today. Hmm. When he went into college, the white kids, uh, when he was in law school, teased him because they only said he was there because of affirmative action. And so that also taints his viewpoint on that entire program. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That is why. That That's the secret to why he has the attitude that he has. That's the secret. And I have to wonder if the other, you know, whether it's Tim Scott or a few of the other ones that, that, that have that same sort of affect. The African-Americans who don't see themselves as African-Americans. I mean, they just simply don't. They, yeah, they, yeah. they they don't have there's a disassociative sort of pattern there where they they cannot see they don't have a clue as to their as to the reality of who they are you know within the society of this country and has it and how it's been and they just don't have an they don't have an idea you know it, it's so uh, odd and, it's so strange uh, that kind of reaction because you'd think that his enemy in that case would be the people levying those allegations against him rather than right. the actual system itself. But he seems yes. to have landed on the system, which doesn't make any sense to me. There's the thing because yeah. he's, you know, he's a federalist and all the, mm -hmm. the people who have, who have been white have, you know, since that time have been the ones treating him the best. Of course, they're, you know, yeah. they're doing nothing but bribing him. But ultimately, that's where he feels more comfortable. That's how he sees himself. But to be because of his childhood, which I quite honestly, I cannot relate to that because I've never experienced it. So I can't I can't say I understand what he's saying and that I overcame the same situation. I didn't, you know, so I don't know how difficult that was for him. Yeah, Evidently, yeah. it was very difficult. Hmm. Now, that chip on your shoulder, you got to I mean, the best thing to do is try to get it off your shoulder and not to have to, you know, to have it dictate the rest of your life in terms of your attitudes and your choices and things like that but apparently it was enough to just scorch him so that he doesn't see doesn't identify with african americans doesn't care about african americans does not see himself as african-american and that explains a whole hell of a lot man you know and i i it, it pisses me off that that he would have to endure something like that that at a time that he was growing up that 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 that, that african-americans had the time to tease someone else about their skin color. I mean, seriously, really, folks, come on. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, uh, it, again, it just goes back to the, you know, the, the, the human beings and, and Jesus Christ, the most, the worst species on the bloody planet, man. I swear to God. I mean, you think mosquitoes are bad. No, fuck mosquitoes. They're great compared yeah. to goddamn people, man. Christ. God, <laughs> I so agree. All of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, losers. Every one of them. Losers. Sorry. It's just, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I wonder how Clarence Thomas would have turned out if 
Barack Obama's book, Dreams from My Father, had existed when uh, Clarence Thomas was a younger man. If he had read that book, he may have taken an entirely different approach because it seems like uh, Obama's experience versus Clarence Thomas's experience are like mirror images of each other. Like Clarence Thomas is the mirror, mirror, mirror universe uh, where he took the the wrong path faced with the the same sorts of things that, yeah, exactly, the same sorts of things that Barack Obama experienced, but Clarence Thomas made the wrong choice Choices in dealing with those things, whereas Barack Obama, who tends to be extraordinarily rational and tethered to some form of reason and history and institutions, uh, made an entirely different set of, of choices and was all the better for it. Obviously, they both attained high levels of power in uh, American politics. But at the same time, Barack Obama is going to be met, remembered in a much more significant way, in a much more favorable way as far as legacy goes, uh, than Clarence Thomas ever will be. And I think at this point, Clarence Thomas's uh, legacy is uh, quite tainted. I I don't think he's going to be able to uh, rehabilitate that anytime soon. No, no, that's not going to, that's not going away. It is what it is. And the question would be, you know, again, what, what is anybody going to do about it? I mean, that's the question. We're, we're plagued by this, uh, this uh, indecision and this inability to, to wrestle with the big picture, to wrestle with the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to deal with the elephants in the room, yeah. you know, because it's a uh, quote unquote unprecedented, you know, because it's, oh, well, we can't do that. Oh, well, we can't. Yes, you can. Mm. You absolutely can. You know, and, 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 and again, the difference between Clarence and Obama, it's a question of, of, of evolution. And, you know, yeah. Obama evolved differently than Clarence did. Some people, evolved to the level that Obama's at and others evolved to the level of believing that, you know, vaccines could cause magnetism uh, on their body. So there, there's the difference mm-hmm. of evolution in terms of, of intelligence, in terms of, of the capability to, to take something and understand what it is and to, to open one's mind to, to, to become enlightened over time. Um, you know, even to change, um, from one thing to another to to start out some way but to evolve into an understanding that uh, is different it's simply based on yeah. what one experiences what one learns what one discovers coming into something all you know huffing and puffing and and angry and whatever about an issue and then all of a sudden you realize once you look into that issue you delve into that issue and you realize oh my god i'm looking at it i'm looking at it from the wrong angle this mm-hmm. the actual angle is over here the actual thing is over there. So now that issue is no longer, you know, something that sticks in your craw. Now you understand why that issue is the way it is. And then you, so that you thus evolved beyond that, you know, that point, you know, rather than just spouting a bunch of nonsense, but not understanding what it is that you're spouting about, you know? Um, And, and that is, that's evolving and becoming enlightened. And Mm -hmm. that's, and it basically is, is getting, you know, facts and accurate information about something, even if it's not going to be, you know, to your liking or not going to be comfortable. It's going to be, it could be uncomfortable. It could be something that you're like, Oh, damn it. You know, I was hoping it would be that way. Well, it isn't. And accepting the fact that it isn't, you know, uh, that's the way it is. And you have to roll along with it, you know, um, that's, you know, you know, and I think I mentioned on the show to to have a a science fiction story about something that, you know, what we're going through today, where 
the the, the word uh, fact is actually seen as is uh, is not fact, and truth is seen as a lie. A lie is seen as truth, and the reality is seen as something completely the opposite of what it actually is. And I mean, and and that kind of disinformation. I'm the only one I can think of as close as or is Orwell's story, 1984, which is yeah. my God, we're living in that in spades right now, <laughs> right. Um, because of of this disinformation sort of highway that we're on um that is just eating us for breakfast man i mean it's just it's it's killing us yeah uh with with a, with a, a percentage of the population that just just doesn't have a clue you know of what's happening i i, I, it, yeah, it, I know and, and was it and was it was it what transforms i mean some of these people that the roots were there already to begin with but take uh jfk jr um what these people were not born as conspiracy theorists they were conspiracy theorists at 13 years old six years old and they weren't being taught conspiracy theories in school mm -hmm. they weren't they didn't somewhere something happened as they reached adulthood and then some to transform them into these walking, talking idiots. Something happened because they were not born that way. They did not. They did not learn that in school. Mm -hmm. So what? I, to me, I'm fascinated by what transpired. What switch? What hit that light switch? And all of a sudden, it's you know, I'm going to start believing in absolute fantasy. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. What? What? What is that, man? I mean, where? Where the reason? The, re the complete the, the 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 reality of what that that concept is or conspiracy is on its face is lunacy. I don't need facts or proof to prove it. It's just lunacy when somebody says yeah. something to you and it's like that that doesn't make any sense at all. That's crazy. <laughs> you, yeah. What happened to the what happened to the guardrails? What happened to the the processing of saying of saying yo you know where you say yeah, yeah no that's that's nuts rather than saying. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> what happened yeah, yeah. to those people? It's this weird intellectual insecurity. Maybe that's it. They just seem ungainly and searching for meaning in their own lives, and then they latch on to these conspiracies. And in fact, I hesitate to even call them conspiracy theorists because they don't really have a theory. It's just like a bunch of buzzwords and bumper stickers that they say, okay, yeah, I'm into that. I'm into that thing. Ivermectin, let's have more of that. And... <laughs> And, and so they're more like conspiracy hobbyists because they're looking for that kind of meaning in their lives. And they feel as though if they have some sort of inside lane in terms of what's really going on, and that gives them, I don't know, some kind of psychological confidence that they didn't otherwise have. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Legitimacy. It's the, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. That is the theory. It's not so much... It's not so much the intellectual aspect of it or yeah. thinking or cognitive. Aspect. Well, they think it's it the, is. They it's think the it's the emotional. Yeah, it's the yeah. emotional. They right. have to belong to the special club yeah. that has all of the inside secrets that nobody else has. <laughs> right. uh, you know, and every they feel special in their group, and you know, everybody on the outside is the enemy, and you know, whatever happened to them in their childhood, something went sideways. And yeah. They, they're, yeah. they're missing something. They need something. I mean, it's the reason that people join cults. It's the same thing. So yeah, obviously, yeah. obviously, but I had no idea. It's, it's a huge, you know, I mean, before cults were just like small groups of people, you know, yeah, it could yeah. be 20 to, to, to 200. It wasn't half the bloody country has joined this, this cult of conspiracy and, and Trumpism. I mean, it's half the country. 
Yeah, Almost. yeah. It's some kind of like, I don't know, school recess power play where you go up to someone else and you say, I know a secret that you don't know. I'm wielding this power over you because I have a secret that you don't know. Kids do that in second grade. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. an extension of that. It's a more mature adult version. Well, I hesitate to say mature, actually. But, you know, it's a more <laughs> adult, chronological adult version of that same dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. And in fact, I, you know, come to think of it, I mean, we've covered, we're talking about this in, 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 in that regard yeah. and in that sort of uh, explanation more so than what I've heard on, <clears throat> heard on mainstream media. I have not heard really psychiatrists or psychologists sit down and actually explain, mm. you know, the, the essence and the mechanism of the cult, yeah. which needs to be done more than once. They should do it several times just to let people know that this is how this works. This is what is happening. People have experienced it, obviously, on a, on a first-hand basis with family members or friends or whatever yeah. that, that ended up going down the rabbit hole, which is also strange because why would you have that happen in the same family where everybody was raised the same, but only one or two of the kids or whatever it is goes south? I mean, it's bizarre, but, you know, obviously it's an emotional something that's lacking, something, mm -hmm. an Achilles heel in these people that... Yeah that causes them to make these kinds of decisions. Yes, of course, uh, the, the internet sources and Fox News does not help uh, in terms of preaching all this nonsense and stuff all the time, but but still, you know, uh, on its face, when somebody presents something that's just lunacy, one should intellectually be able to see that it's lunacy without even, you know, it's just fact, just why would you believe that? So, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, it it's, it, I think they need to make that clear you know, even on the on the on the news shows every once in a while to explain to everybody else, you know, a lot of people do under to try to understand why their loved ones or why other people or why their friends or why the large percentage of the of the country is is completely nuts. Yeah. You know, and believing in absolute nonsense. It just yeah, it's, it, it's, it's baffling. And I think about this all the time in terms of uh, QAnon in particular. Like, yeah, how, how, does yeah. a, how does a democracy continue to function when you've got whatever it is, 30 percent of the American voting population believes there's Jewish space lasers and right. adrenochrome being harvested from children in the basement of a pizza place in Washington, D.C., <laughs> comic ping pong. I don't understand uh, how democracy flourishes when yeah. the well is so poisoned, when the electorate is so poisoned with yeah. this gibberish. How, how does that work yeah. you know, when it comes to, to voting time? Yeah. You know, when you're trying to explain, you know, an issue of economics or an issue of a social issue or, or a global, you know, political issue or, or foreign policy to someone when, you know, they're, they're believing in, like I said, uh, that the vaccines cause your body to become magnetized. I mean, how do you, <laughs> how do you wrestle with that, or or that, or that John F. Kennedy is going to return for the dead, and install Trump back into office, or that yeah. that RFK is actually the vice president right now? Uh, okay, so that that that's that's where we are. Yeah, you know, how do you? You're right. How do you function as as a democracy and uh, when your citizenry, uh, such a large percentage of it, is are completely off the deep end? Mm -hmm. um, and and again, we've not had to deal with this. Yeah, we have not dealt with any of this in the past. During the most tumultuous times uh, when I was growing up, I mean, the Vietnam War was just 
man, you want to talk about ripping a country apart. That certainly did it. And also the civil rights movement. I mean, mm -hmm. with all of that going on, there was still, everybody still would look at the sky and then say that it's blue. And they could agree that the sky was blue. You know, they could agree that the fire, the building was on fire, as opposed to today when somebody will tell them, oh, the building's not on fire, standing there perfectly fine. You know, uh, it, 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 that's the difference, is that nobody, the reality of what's in front of us is no longer the reality, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, all, the, the, what's her name comes on and, and Kellyanne Conway and actually uses the term alternative facts as if that's a thing. You know, <laughs> is that like alternative gravity? Like you could jump <laughs> off a 20 story building and nothing's going to happen. You fucking idiots. I dare say if Trump came out and said it tomorrow on four, they did on Fox News. How many people would be jumping off of buildings? I swear to God, I think some of them would. You know, yeah, uh, well, you just, know what? There's a movement right now online that says the sun is fake the actual star at the center of our solar system is fake and there are people on the internet who believe that to be true uh tim <laughs> my god that oh, is just boy. Uh, that's what that's the kind of thing that we're facing and in my worst moments my darkest moments i just go you know what we should just shut down the internet shut it all down just, <laughs> you know just go put go it back away and bring back the gatekeepers come on back in guys they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get together with the flat earthers and and have them a big powwow you know exactly, uh, a, con exactly. a conference of the lunatics um yeah well you know uh they can they can go ahead and believe that all they freaking want mm. it's you know it, we the rest of us know better and my god you know again i don't know where i don't know where all this came from because it certainly wasn't there when i was growing up i sir no. it did not exist it did not at all exist yeah and and i i i can imagine that the internet is probably responsible for a, a decent percentage of it yeah but you know at the same time you know whatever you read or somebody tells you i mean come on man where does your where does the, <laughs> the where do the cognitive skills just go out the window and you start grabbing onto some yeah. shit that just doesn't make any sense I, I and i think you're right it's that 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 feeling i think there was somebody talking about it the other day uh it might have been a politician from another country but they was talking about the fact that every, the conspiracy theory you know the, what they're selling is this this um i don't know it's an attitude um a fear a basic a baseline sort of suspicion about everything yeah everything is suspicious and that's that's a baseline sort of lure for these people mm. that you know, everything is suspicious. Everything yeah. is wrought with suspicion. That really, it could, maybe it's that, but it, it seems like that, but maybe it isn't like that. Maybe there's something else going on. And I think that, that that's the mental sort of game that uh, is being played, that that people are, are falling prey to, is that that fear of there's something not right. This isn't, mm -hmm. this isn't what it seems. It must be something else. Yeah. You know, that kind yeah. of bullshit. Jesus fucking Christ. I, <laughs> it's not, nothing frustrates me more. I swear to God. Oh, on no. planet Earth. I haven't, I haven't as of yet come face to face with anybody who's babbling a bunch of bullshit like that. Cause God help them. I'm going to lay into them like a ton of bricks. If they do, it ain't going to be pretty. It ain't going to be pretty. I can tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah. There, there are going to be some, there might be a few insults coming out. There might be some other things, but 
<laughs> thus far, I have not had to. I have not had that happen. So uh, you know, wow. my circle of friends all have their heads on straight, and I don't wrestle with anybody online. So yeah. you know, and I when I I said that earlier, and I don't, and I literally do not. I don't read one single comment, not yeah. one. Uh, good for no, you. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. yeah. But if you ever do, yeah. I, I want to see it. I mean, if you ever react <laughs> to someone in person, man, I want to check that out because I've got a personal rule. Do not piss off Tim Russ. That's... <laughs> oh, man. Hey, listen, do you have uh, a few minutes for some questions from our Patreon subscribers? Uh, Absolutely. Just a few sure. questions here. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Let's start uh, with Jerry Hillman. I love this question. If you ran NASA, Tim, and had any yeah. had a military sized budget, just a gigantic budget, what sort of projects would you like to implement? Like, what would be the like the first thing you did if you had an infinite budget as the administrator of NASA? Oh well, uh, my fascination right now is is uh, exploring the moons of our solar system. I want to get to those moons as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd want to devise the technology and the devices to be able to uh, explore the subterranean oceans of either Europa or Enceladus, yeah. uh, primarily with a camera, a really good camera. Um, and lots of lights, uh, to be able to see what's down there. Uh, that would be one of the earliest and first things I like to do. They're already on the process of discovering potential intelligent life on distant planets, uh, worlds around other stars with, uh, the, the, the web telescope, more of that I would also get behind, but definitely exploration of our solar system, uh, you know, right on, whether it's robotics or feet on the ground. Yeah. Uh, the, some of the moons of our um, large gas giants, because there's some stuff going on there. And uh, that would be the primary thing I would do. Also includes, obviously, with Mars and getting people on Mars and getting some of the exploration done there. Yeah, in fact, I was thinking about you. I know I read a story the other day about the James Webb Space Telescope and how it discovered a Hycian planet with a possible biosignature. Now, it didn't specifically confirm that this signature means there's life, but right. it leads us in the right direction. It's uh, dimethyl sulfide, right? Is that's a, that's right. the uh, biosignature they found on this Hycian planet? By the way, the dimethyl sulfide that comes from photosynthesis, so it could be right. an indicator, of some form of plant life. But of yeah. course, they can't fully confirm any of that. So no, they got to get. I think well, they need just more data. That's all. Yeah. They do, yeah. When they get a certain amount of data, then they'll make that that particular announcement, and it, it may still remain. It still may remain as a theory yeah, uh, yeah. that there could be potentially life on this planet, and that's probably as far as they'll go. And the next step beyond that is finding industrial chemicals in the atmosphere Yes, uh, as a result of industrial activity, which therefore you know comes right down our pipe so as to, as to being uh, intelligent life. So that's the other thing. So it's those two things they're going to be looking for uh, with the web that they are going to be able to do that. Uh, They're already starting now. So they're going to look at a lot of different planets and try to figure out some of these um, uh, Goldilocks zone uh, Earth-type planets uh, to see what their atmospheres look like. And they're going to figure it out. And that is, man, that is really precise data collecting. It seems like almost any day now. I mean, the discoveries by the JWST has been... It's just remarkable, and it feels like like we're just at the doorstep of discovering yeah. an exoplanet that has some form of intelligent life or some life in general. Before you know it, there's going to be a news story, major news story that's going to drop about this, and that's what's so exciting. Man, I'll about tell it. you, yeah. that'll be so yeah. incredible. And yeah. they're going to have to look at a 
a shitload of planets uh, to find those because <laughs> because there's because the odds of that occurring even given the number that the that uh, the drake equation comes up with for the number of planets and in, the, in the, just in our galaxy alone you know uh just exponentially enormous um given the number of stars etc but even with that even with those big numbers the yeah. you know astrophysicists and astrobiologists still project that there may not be as many intelligent civilizations as we might assume uh simply just given the proximity of the stars to each other uh the density of the stars the potential for the planet to not just just have a, a long runway mm -hmm. uh of evolution uh to be able to develop intelligent life and or the mass extinctions that could occur and or the civilization destroying itself and or this the civilization just going extinct you yeah, know over yeah. you know millions and millions of years i mean uh, just all of those possibilities kind of keep that number a little smaller than what was originally projected so it may still be tricky to find that you know uh it's it's going to be interesting really will be sounds like you lean more toward the fermi paradox about intelligent life being out there that it's yeah pretty I, unlikely. I, yeah yeah i i i'm just basing it on what you know uh recently recent very recently what yeah. the astrophysicists and astrobiologists are talking about in terms of the odds the odds are so astronomical yeah for us to get where we are today, right here. Mm -hmm. You know, even the life being able to be created in the universe, as it were, in this universe, if we accept the fact that there are multiple universes, some of those universes may not be able to sustain life. The things had to line up just for life to be, to be able to be possible in this universe, things had to line up. Now you've got the extra variables, uh, and uh, just an endless number of them, for life to evolve, to intelligent life on this planet. The dinosaurs were around for millions and millions of years. They never got to the point where they could build tools, Yeah, you see. So they were here for a hell of a lot longer than we were, and it didn't go anywhere. Right. So you cannot, so how many evolutionary tracks would it take for intelligent life to occur? Is it the first track? Is it is it the Precambrian before the dinosaurs? Is it the dinosaurs? Is it just after the dinosaurs? When did, when on these planets, how many times does the evolutionary uh, dice have to be rolled to get to intelligent life? And that's the key. Yeah. How stable is the star? I mean, how many mass extinctions are you facing? Is there a supernova nearby that can completely wipe everything out in a, in a blink? And now you got to start all over from scratch. How many times is that dice have to roll to get to intelligent life and the, and the planet to be in a, perfect orbit to have an atmosphere to have a a, a, a a mechanism to ward off solar energy solar cosmic rays a magnetic field you know a hot core plate tectonics all that shit has to happen yeah it ain't gonna happen without it so not for intelligent life to get to the point that we are so and that's that's the trick yeah and it's crazy because in our corner of this galaxy, there could have been, who knows, dozens of uh, intelligent species that evolved, but billions of years ago, and they have sure. since all died off. The timing off, has yeah. to be immense. I mean, the coincidence of uh, finding intelligent life, at least 
within reach of where we are uh, sure. seems almost unheard of given the span of universal time. It's yeah. uh, almost mind-boggling yeah. to think of. It, yeah. it has to. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Some of these civilizations may have yeah. come and gone. Right, right, Some of them may right. have come and gone already. They're just extinct. They're, yeah. they're, they're gone. Yep. And, 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 and or they might have blown themselves to kingdom come, you know, destroy mm -hmm. themselves, you know, yeah. in whatever shape, form. So all of those things could happen. And plus, you've got to, you know, given the vastness of the of space itself and the the size of the galaxy and the distance between the stars, I mean, it's all that stuff going on as well. I, uh, I think that Bob, we are a very, very rare gem in this mm -hmm. uh, in this galaxy. We are very, very rare which, you know, makes it even more important that we manage to survive as a species. Aubrey Fletcher asks on our Patreon page, what is the farthest celestial body that you have ever observed? Um, the farthest uh, body that I have observed my, with naked eye mm. is about 35 to 40 million light years away. Wow. Because my telescopes only are going to reach out, I mean, for something that's, you know, visible that I can actually see. Um, the average is 20 to 30 million light years. So I'm looking at uh, nebulas and galaxies, uh, galaxies in particular that are that far away. Um, some of the star points might be a little farther, but they're just star points, so I wouldn't know what their distance is. But I do know that the larger objects, uh, the farthest on average are 30 to about 30 million light years. Um, and those are the galaxies mostly uh, with the telescope that I have right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Mark P asks, <clears throat> excuse me, which artists have influenced you musically, Tim? Oh, over the past, since growing up, uh, yeah. I grew up, um, I was influenced by uh, everyone from uh, Santana to Chicago to, um, uh, let's see, Peter Gabriel is one of my major influences. Yeah. Um, Bruce Hornsby, I love his work as well. Um, so growing up, uh, as a guitarist, uh, you know, was, uh, Carlos Santana and also, uh, Terry Kath of Chicago. Um, those were some of the bands that I listened to growing up, uh, along with everyone else, uh, Zeppelin and the who and all the rest of my, that's what I fed on it. Uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Um, you know, uh, those were some of the groups and bands and some of the individuals that I grew up with in the, in the seventies and eighties. 60s, 70s, and 80s. Obviously, yeah. the Beatles as well. The Beatles were a major influence. Um, so uh, those those bands from that era are the bands that I, I grew up with. Those are the biggest influences to, uh, on me. And uh, and my music career sort of evolved from um, playing uh, uh, hard rock bands in the 1970s to R&B in the mid to late 70s to mm -hmm. folk rock, uh, singer songwriter folk rock stuff, James Taylor, Cat Stevens, and then top 40 in the 90s, uh, 80, late 80s, early 90s, and then to the music I'm playing today. So I've, I've had a really good smattering of, of, of a lot of different influences over the years. Uh, Thomas Price asks, can you talk about the time you played your music on the Howard Stern show? I think it was a, <laughs> I think it was a competition. He says, I, I really like your album, by the way, Cushion Gaza. Is that the yes, pronunciation yes, of that, that one? That is yeah, pronunciation, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you very much for that uh, <laughs> comment and, and appreciation. Of, I, I, uh, that was with a band. It was Neil Norman, uh, the, the Neil Norman of Crescendo Records. It was his band. Yeah. And I was sitting in, we were, we, he got this thing booked on Howard Stern. Howard Stern is a, is a fan of the show, uh, Trek. So he's, he's, you know, he wanted to have us on. He's a battle of the bands. And, um, 
And we got there to New York is like six o'clock in the morning. And then I, I don't usually sing anything at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, but uh, we got on there to play and uh, and we knew that we weren't going to win because that's how it works um, on his show. He's, his band has to always win. So <laughs> it was great. <laughs> right. He was wonderful. He was yeah, really wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and it was a it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. Um, he's a very nice guy. And mm-hmm. uh, we got on, we did our thing, you know, um, it was certainly unexpected for me. I, you know, I didn't expect that to happen. Uh, but it, there it was. And uh, Neil said, we're going to go do it. I said, shit, yeah, let's go do it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Just incredible. Well, obviously, we could go another three, four hours, but I think <laughs> we got lives to lead, so we got to move on. But I, I do have to ask you one last thing. When are you yeah. going to start your own politics podcast? Because you're really good at this. I just wanted to yeah. throw that in. Yeah, every people ask me that a lot. They yeah, ask me when yeah. I'm going to have a podcast. And, mm-hmm. you know, I usually tell them, you know, it's not just <laughs> I'm going to have a podcast, dude. It's work. Yeah, and I it know is. it's work. Mm. I can I know that and I've never done it, but I know <laughs> there's work because you have to do research, you've got to get guests, you've got to do this, you gotta do that, you gotta be on top of things all the time. What I would rather do is just rant yeah. um on somebody else's podcast. That's what I'd rather do because it's easier. Um, oh, that's good to, news for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I don't have to prepare anything, I don't have to think about it, just go ahead and do it. So yeah, yeah. if it's a if it's a call in or if it's a tweet or if it's a whatever as a guest. That's what I'd rather do. I I don't need to have my own thing. You know, I just, I don't need that. And it's, and it takes up time. It's uh, Mm. when you go down that road, you got to do your due diligence. You got to do your research. You got to do the work to to make it happen. And and I, I'm I'm not going to do that unless I really want to dedicate the time to it and do it right. So I don't, I don't need it. I'll just rant. Well, you have an open invitation to be on this show anytime you want. Anytime you want to rant, Tim. Because thank you, thank you ever so much. Such a pleasure uh, talking to you. Is there anything you want to plug here before we uh, finish? Uh, let's see. Um, no, I just got you know for people who were in the surrounding Los Angeles area, the, my band plays at uh, the Kibitz Room on a regular basis, and I always post my gigs on my Facebook page. Um, if there's anything I'm doing uh, in terms of television projects or film projects or music. I always post it on my Facebook page, which is under my name, Tim Russ. You can go check it out. I always put that stuff on there and my Twitter as well. Just type in Tim Russ. It'll come up. You'll see my picture. So um, I post that stuff on there for people to follow and uh, my projects and activities. When I can talk about them, I post them on there. <laughs> Most of the time you can't say anything. It's all yeah. NDA land now. So I know. Um, so uh, just essentially just just that, uh, just uh, working on projects and I'll post them as they become available to post. I will put them on there. Well, it was great talking to you. Tell Deb to break a leg and uh, pass that along yeah. to Al Pacino as well. He can break a leg. <laughs> Richard III. That sounds exciting. <laughs> yes. We'll definitely do that. All right, my friend. Yes. Great talking to you. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.